0: Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, an assistant pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. Western Europe has admittedly had the gospel for a very long time. Some would even describe it as Christianized, but clearly. Even those places that were most impacted by the Protestant Reformation are post-Christian. If Western Europe was ever evangelized, it certainly needs to be re-evangelized, as does any and every place from generation to generation. Should we in America still be sending missionaries to Western Europe? And is it a legitimate mission strategy for a foreign worker to stay in one place for a protracted period of time? These are among the topics that we interact with in this second part of my interview with missionary Kenneth Murphy. In addition to these subjects, we speak at length about the spiritual oppression that gospel workers face in secular fields like Germany. With that introduction, here's the rest of my interview with Brother Kenny Murphy. There are at least some in the States that would be disinclined to regard the countries of Western Europe as mission fields altogether. Mm -hmm. They just feel like, you know, Western Europe has been Christianized. They already have the gospel. They already have the Bible. And then there are others uh, within uh, among the churches in America, and and obviously I'm referring to America is still, and I know that you'd agree with this, is still a a hub for the sending forth of missionaries and for the propagation of the gospel around the world. Mm-hmm. There are others. Within America, that would be, that would discount the, strat- the strategy that has one foreign worker like yourself pastoring the same church for a protracted period of time. Mm-hmm. And so, I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to these issues. In your estimation, what is the need in Germany for missionaries? Why would you like to see more men consider that field of service, given the 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 dark? Um, uh, spiritual backdrop that you've, that we've already described is Germany a legitimate mission field.
1: I think anywhere where people are lost, uh, and without God, uh, it is, uh, deemed a legitimate mission field. The idea that bigger is better and more is spiritual is, uh, is a damnable slippery slope that right. I believe this emergent church and these mega church concepts have, um, Propagated all over the world now. Um, Germany has around 83 million uh, souls that are officially here. We've gotten a lot of immigrants since, but um, uh, these are souls, brother, that uh, if nobody uh, reaches them, they're not going to be reached for Christ. Uh, The comment that you made they have the Bible, they do have a Lutheran Bible, and although it is better than most uh, every other Bible on any other foreign field, the King James Bible is. And this is something that Brother Fry and I have mused and uh, something that we have uh, given close, careful consideration. I'm a King James Bible believer, and I happen to believe that the King James Bible is not only the standard for the English-speaking world, it's the standard for the world. And uh, that is just one of the other hardships that we face in Germany is—and um, I know Brother Thomas Castelol, uh recently left the field— uh, but he and I—that—that that was my best friend um, uh, on the field here for for a number of years, almost twenty years. Uh, he and I had close fellowship. And um, anyone that's trying to train uh, someone up with the Word of God, and you've re- yourself received biblical training, uh, it's very, very frustrating to to come to your uh, salient verses that you're going to teach someone. Uh, about the right ways of God only to open your Bible and just about any Bible in German and find in those critical places that they have uh they have been changed they they stray from the from the authorized version and um, although Germany is not an english-speaking country uh I still if I'm going to compare the word of God to anything I have to compare it to the standard and so that is one of the problems that has uh been part of the Frustration here in Germany over the over, over the years, and uh, in fact, it was someone in my home church asked uh, what was the when I returned to the states, what impresses you the most, or what do you miss the most about America? And I had not given any thought to the question before because most anything that missionaries would notice in Brother Craig Fitzgerald's prayer letter, uh, prayer letter he mentioned Reese's uh, peanut butter cups uh <laughs> right it, any of these things like this is 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 uh, believe me germany has an equivalent if not the same thing uh we have it very very well in germany it's a rich nation um but the problem that we have here is uh a, a problematic bible translation coupled with a socialistic, marxistic uh philosophy uh, with where God is like Nietzsche said, God is dead. And that brother has resonated with these people, uh, over the, um, over the years. Uh, and when I say years, I mean, in some cases, hundreds of years that, that it makes it especially difficult to minister here. And as far as this being a mission field, as I said, 83 million people that they did, they do not have, uh, I mentioned the Bible. They do not have the right gospel brother. Uh, the average German church, uh, they have a thing here where they have um, uh, a Taguslösung uh, is the name of it, and it's a daily Bible verse. And the average, I'm talking about conservative Germans, that's about as much Bible as they read is one verse, whatever, sort of like the Baptist bread, the daily bread. Uh, they would read that one verse for the day. Uh, Psalms 23 is is especially loved in this country, and it's a beautiful psalm. Uh, but other than that, the Sermon on the Mount uh, is, I would say, the the beginning and the ending of German Christianity here. They put such an emphasis on Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in this country that uh, they go so far as to—just as John MacArthur, who has recently opened a seminary in Berlin, uh, who I absolutely detest, uh, that uh, has pro- he produces a gospel— that is very palatable to the German mouth. Uh, it's a, it's a, a very cunningly devised work salvation, and the the average German just cannot wrap their head around the free gift of salvation. And and so therefore, not only do they not have an equivalent, a true equivalent of King James Bible, they don't have any teaching, and they also have a false gospel. Uh, they, they believe that uh, I mean, just any given number of, uh, of uh, gospels that they could be listed. Uh, the rich young ruler, go and sell all they have, take up that cross and follow me. Uh, this is considered by many here in this country to be the uh, true salvation, and that's the gospel. Uh, we had a, a lady, a, a Baptist, that lived in our neighborhood when we first moved here. She told my wife that, um, that she believed the gospel was keeping the Ten Commandments and uh, that it's actually very easy to do. And this is just, <laughs> yeah, this is wow. this spiritual deception that is related. That same Bible study, I, I went that night to their Bible study, and they, of all places, they were in Revelation, and a third of the stars were cast out of heaven, and uh, that same lady closed her eyes and said, I can just see all the stars now raining down on earth. I said, you do realize that one star is bigger bigger than the earth, don't you? <laughs> and i said if a third of the stars rain down on earth how would that look and i told i turned in the bible and i showed them in revelation chapter one that the stars here are angels brother their eyes got big as saucers and i was never invited back to the bible study <laughs> yeah. i just disrupted their whole evening so ev- evangelization here in germany is is a lot different you m- mentioned at the beginning of the podcast door knocking is um the only person that knocks doors here in Germany are the Jehovah's Witnesses. And if you knock on a door, it doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what your presentation is. You're going to be deemed a Jehovah's Witness before you can right. open your mouth. And so you can do it. You can say that, you know, bless God, I'm going to do this no matter what the perception is. But it is, Germans are very reclusive. They enjoy their privacy when they do go home. And uh, so that is not a valid uh approach to the ministry here. So we're limited to preaching on the street and handing out tracts. Uh, we advertise for any special events we have in our church. But the greatest way to minister here, and this is one of the troubles of our local church, is to teach that same people who have had no Bible training to overcome the concept that faith is not a private thing. And that's that's a very prominent uh, saying here in Germany, that one's faith is a very private, um, personal a thing that should not be interfered with. And so therefore they, they do not witness and to get people to overcome the fear of man, uh, to, to be an open witness for Christ has been very, very difficult to train the people to uh, get out of their shell and actually, uh, tell people about their faith. And we have seen some, uh, we have seen some, some hope here in the last months here, brother Fabian is, is in the German, Uh, would be the equivalent of the German army. He is an officer and he's doing his uh, reserve uh, officer training. And he was actually able to lead one of his soldiers uh, that was under his command last year or year before last, he was able to lead a man to the Lord. And he recently uh, wrote back from his training that he is in the process of witnessing to another man in the same manner. So amen. it's it's a great blessing to see somebody finally get out of their shell and do it. And, And I can't do it for them. There is a stigmatism, uh, me being a foreigner, even though I speak German, I don't know what one's definition of fluently is, but I speak, I speak German fluently, And um, but I have an accent, and they know immediately that I'm an American, and usually Americans are com- coupled with either a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, so it would work far, far better if the, the converts in our churches would uh, reach their people themselves, which comes back to your question— of the missions philosophy that a missionary is to go to a foreign field. And after four years, uh, and and this, I'm just using this number as an example. This is one that's often thrown around. After four years, you should have built that church up to a point to turn it over, return to the States for furlough, rest for a year, uh, then go back and start in another region of that field. And in Germany, it's just, it's just not doable, brother. You, you cannot turn a church over in Germany after four years. It will not survive. It just will not survive.
0: Well, brother, I think that that uh, that approach and that strategy, most places where it's been uh, attempted over a over an extended period of time, I, I think that the that the long term fruit often demonstrates that that's not uh, a good approach. That that cookie cutter kind of approach to one church per term is uh, there's nothing in the Bible that indicates that that that, that as a as a pattern for church planting. So I, you know, the, the idea that that works and that that might work in Africa, but it won't work in Germany. Well, it, it probably won't work in Africa, the, mm. the more missionaries to Africa that you talk to. But, um, I am wondering in presenting, you know, be, be that as it may, um, in presenting the work of Mm -hmm. your work as a missionary. And I know that, I know that you consider your mission, yourself a missionary, that this, this is in your heart. This is your, this is part of your calling, Mm -hmm. but in presenting the work to American churches, how, how would you distinguish your calling as a missionary from that of a pastor? And how do you believe those roles overlap in that given field?
1: Well, as we just said, I think um, you called it a cookie cutter uh, approach to the ministry. I think, I think you know it, it almost is like a, a market driven economy uh, the church has almost fallen prey to this idea and the concept that more is better and you know there's pressure on on a missionary i you know the bible says they compare themselves among themselves are not wise uh, i read mission letters and i've i've told people over the years um uh how blessed it must be to have uh, to start a bible institute and have uh, 30 students uh, in your bible institute it's Uh, It must be a great blessing. Um, But one of the things that we have to overcome, and I'll get to your question uh, promptly, but one of the things we have to overcome, I have had a Bible institute in our church for some seven years on and off. And uh, the the problem that we see with it is because education is given such a a prominent position in the society here, if you don't offer an accredited school, uh, the people feel like, that they're basically wasting their time that they really don't have the they don't have the um the tools uh they're not going to pre- be perceived as knowledgeable although the true test of a bible education is whether you can preach and teach the word right um this is a very hard and difficult th- concept for the people to uh, let go of and so you you know and so you end up basically like Christ did with with fishermen and <laughs> And, you know, publicans and, and things like that, uh, people that uh, don't have an aspiring, um, prominent, uh, secular uh, vision. And I would love to see a setting where where that would change. But to get back to your question, um, the question of the difference of the role of a missionary and a pastor, uh, I, I look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, brother, where, where the Bible says he gave some apostles— and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints I've seen over the course of the last and I'll, I'll use the time since since we've started our church here for the last uh, 16 to 17 years what I have seen is that I've had to I've had to wear every one of those hats and uh, those roles have, have been at some times in our ministry very necessary not only to implement but to go back to, and reestablish, uh, obviously I don't consider myself an apostle of the Lord as having been sent from Christ himself, but one that is sent, uh, I see that as the missionary that goes to, uh, to a foreign field, uh, and that the prophet, the the role of a prophet in many of the cases, if you read the prophets was the warning of the coming condemnation and the coming damnation, um, and so I have certainly fulfilled that. And the evangelist of, of um, going out and professing and proclaiming the gospel uh, in an open-air setting, and uh, pastors and teachers, all of those things are necessary, and especially the last two, for the perfecting of the saints. Because if, if everything goes well and the Holy Spirit bears witness to it, someone is going to have to be sent to that dark place. Someone is going to have to open their mouth and cry loud and you're going to have to have uh as i believe is in Ezekiel you're going to have to have the the forehead of an adamant stone uh, right. to to reach some of these hard-headed people uh and and all of that has to be done before you can ever um before you can ever ac- exercise the office of a pastor or a teacher um and sadly uh, or let me put it a different way um I have tried my best not to allow, and I call it white noise. It's just background noise of some of the uh, concepts in America from from pastors. Uh, to you know, I am supported. I'm deputized. I'm sent out uh, of our local church uh, in Pensacola, and I realize that many of the saints support us, and so their opinions is not unimportant to me. But some of the things I have to, I have to just disregard and do what I feel like God has called me to do. And without all the 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 self proclaim uh, missionary methods that that a lot of people look for, I believe I'm I'm going to be held accountable to God one day. And right. uh, He called me to this ministry here. And given the wisdom that God has shown me over the years uh, for this land here, I would say every one of those roles in Ephesians chapter four, uh, verse 11, are very, very needful to produce any kind of a lasting work and this is where we've tried and, uh, to succeed. And we have our, two of our, uh, young men in our church, uh, uh, Leonid and his brother, Alexander are, are professing to, uh, to be called of God to go about, uh, about an hour and a half South of us. Uh, and both of them are going to be about 30 to 45 minutes away from one another. And it's their desire to now start uh, local churches. So that's, kind of plays in the question you ask to what strategy, and I, I don't want to keep using the word philosophy, but what strategy we had to reach Germany. I had to make a decision. Am I going to bring a church up to some kind of a standard of, of, of an autonomous uh, local church, and then turn it over and go and try to replicate that somewhere else or try to do that somewhere else? And it was my firm conviction that if I continuously did that, at the end of the day, I've actually done nothing for the German faith in, in itself because these people need to know themselves how to start a local church. And if they never had that experience, how could they ever pass that on to, seem, to anyone else? In other sure. words, if, if I left our local church and I went and started a new one, all of those men that I left behind in this local church that I'm now pastoring would have absolutely no clue how to train up a believer, how to start a local church. And so I believe it's very fundamental, uh, uh, information, uh, for them to gain. And you can only do it by, by doing it, brother. You can only get it by doing it.
0: Well, the, as to the, as to how we might describe that strategy, I, you know, we, we, it's a, there's a temptation to pour ourselves into certain categories and to compartmentalize certain, certain approaches, <laughs> philosophies, strategies, whatever you want to call them, um, the the reality is that we have that we have the pattern of scripture by the way you make reference to Ephesians 4:11 all four of those gifted men those offices whatever you want to call them the apostle the prophet the evangelist and the pastor and teacher they're all ultimately doing the same thing they are perfecting the body of Christ they're they're so that the body can do the work of the ministry, so okay. that the body can be edified. So the the mission ultimately is the same, whatever hat you're wearing or whatever emphasis that you have. But um, you, there does have to be an adaptation, somewhat, to uh, the needs of the particular field. And it seems to me, I, it seems to me, based on the 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 conclusions that that many working in Europe, in particular, have drawn independent of one another that maybe the more effective route in terms of a strategy is what you've just described The our, our mutual friend, Thomas Castle describes this as the, the mothership model as opposed to the lily pad model. Yes. Um, and that's not to be critical of the guy that decides to, you know, turn the church over and move on down the way. Um, that's fine. Uh, what, you know, if that's the, if that's the approach to multiplication, but but you don't have a cookie cutter though. Um, it's it, the multiplication can happen by one man staying in one location and as you've just described, sending forth other men to do um, something that's going to be in some ways much more much more natural, much more organic for a native German speaker, for a uh, native German citizen um, than you trying to to start from scratch. You know, every so many. Every so every so often. Mm. Not to say that, that, the, that the Lord couldn't change that strategy, but um, I think it's a mistake to try to put these methods in, in a box and say it's got to be done in a particular way in order to qualify as missions. The idea with missions is evangelism, discipleship, church planting, multiplication, and uh, there are more ways, more than one way mm. to get that, to accomplish that end, those ends. And
1: and by the way, I'm I'm not locked into that model myself. Um, we had a blessing right before um, this um, Corona uh, virus uh, came onto the scene. We were being visited. I was called to um, help someone with a with a young man. I got a call about nine o'clock in the evening on a Sunday night, and one of the uh, churches um, they are Aramaic. Uh, he's a uh, became a good friend of mine and they have uh they basically are holding their culture together with their belief but um he broke away from the orthodox church and is trying to start his own independent uh um, church and uh i naturally pulled up to him and uh our friendship grew and i'd had a desire to be an influence in in this beginning of a local church that they had started um they were some pushback and I finally thought I was imposing, over-imposing myself on them. So I backed off of that, but I got a call from this gentleman, uh, one night, about nine o'clock in the evening on Sunday. He said, Hey, I got a guy, a young man here. He's uh devil possessed. And, um, I, I'm really o- over my head here. And could you come and help? And, and they had dealt with him for about a couple of uh, two hours. And once, once I received, uh, got on the scene, um, uh, I, confronted the man and uh, the young man and uh, gave him uh, some Bible verses and um, just basically just pushed back against. He did have unclean spirits. uh, There was no doubt. Uh, Just not, I don't want to sensationalize any of this, but brother, I've just countless, just like any story that you would have in a a country surrounded in voodoo and black black magic, uh, Germany uh, has, of course, uh, through this deep-seated uh, rejection of the gospel and the word of God has its own spiritual battles here. And this young man, his name is Max. Um, I was able to speak with him for about two or three hours and I went home that night and, uh, he, he wrote me, uh, two or three weeks later and said, he's still having problem. He hears voices in his head. And so, uh, I dealt with him uh, on a second occasion and was able to, he was actually delivered of the unclean spirits and, um, Amen. Uh, he really—it uh, was just as the Bible stated. The next time he came to then to our church, they live about an hour away from us. But he came and he was clothed and he was sitting and he was in his right mind, brother. It was uh, it was amazing. And um, but through him, he was in contact uh, about an hour away from us with a group of um, oh, I only know the German terms, uh, gypsies. Uh, they're called sinties yeah. cent- actually, uh, at least in in, in German but they're, they're just gypsies from Romania. And they were uh, trying to start a troubled youth home about an hour uh, uh, northwest of us. And they were, he brought, Max brought them to, uh, to our church and uh, they took an immediate interest. And this is something uh, that I wish you and the listeners would be in prayer about, talking about getting away from being stuck in one method. Uh, I would like to see somewhat of a kind of a circuit riding preacher uh, uh, concept, and this these people uh, have broken away from the charismatic church. they were they were involved in the charismatic movement, and they wanted to break away from that. But since Corona, I've almost fallen out of touch with him, and um, I need to uh, uh, i've I've talked to him. I at least initially uh, proposed that I could come by and help them get a church started. So I just wanted to add that I'm not completely set in my ways as as far as this mothership uh, mentality that Brother Castle described it. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I've got to work with, and as the Holy Spirit opens doors, I hope that I'm going to be um, just faithful to go in in the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading.
0: Well, I think some, sometimes there is a there is a temptation to to say, "Well, I'm doing it the biblical way. I'm doing it the Pauline way. This is the method that that's yeah. used in the Book of Acts." Say, yes. "Well, which which method would that be?" And and Paul's methods and Paul's strategy was constantly changing depending mm-hmm. on the circumstances circumstances depending on the field mm-hmm. um, with those subsequent. Uh, missionary journeys, he the the time in which he stayed in a given place changed from journey to journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then toward the end of his life, of course, as far as we know from Scripture, he has essentially a letter-writing ministry, and uh, it, it, the opportunity, the occasion for him to have an itinerant ministry is, is past, but he's still very fruitful doing what he's doing, receiving visitors and writing letters. So he adapted to the needs at mm-hmm. a given time. He prayed for doors to be opened. He walked through doors as they were open, and he was just faithful. And, and really, missions, uh, for, for we can strategize. We should want to be as effective as possible. We, we, we should want our methods to be biblical for that matter. But um, I do think it's a mistake to try to uh, over-define these things and over-commit ourselves to a certain method and uh, not have the flexibility by the Spirit of God to um, adjust and adapt to the needs as they arrive, and mm-hmm. when the Lord gives you an opportunity like you just described, you respond to it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a matter of well, I didn't come up with this, or I don't see this uh, in the Pauline methods. That's you. You mm-hmm. followed in your case. You followed the Lord to to Germany when it wasn't in your thoughts to do so and ever since then you've been following him to do things that wasn't nece- that weren't necessarily in your thoughts to do so that's the nature of the ministry Amen. we're just we're walking by faith and not by sight
1: not necessarily the things that I would even want to do um should be added And uh, just like being here in germany but I would I would love to have the freedom and the liberty to to move on and and turn this church over and move on to an, another area and and try to do something for the Lord and uh, the Holy Spirit has just not released me, but brother Fry, um, Philip Fry, brother Castelo and I were yoke fellows here when he was here and I'm thankful for Brother Fry stepping up and and uh, feeling that void uh, in my life because um, I think I've expressed this to you on several occasions. Of how lonely it can be in a field where uh, there are very few like minded Bible believing missionaries uh, close to you. Brother Fry, by the way, is four hours south of me and um, makes it very un, uh, conducive to a uh, friendship uh, if it were not for the modern technology. And so the idea of the podcast is not just simply missionaries over here with nothing better to do and we're flirting around with social media. Um, we're trying to do something, um, that would combine us two or better than one, uh, and to help us to, uh, our strategy of how to, uh, better, uh, work this field of Germany. Uh, it's been a great blessing to me. And we actually got a, uh, I got an email, a call actually, uh, last week from a lady who lives, uh, near Berlin. She's 65. Uh, she's been a widow for six years. She said she saw our videos and our podcast. And uh she said, There's nothing keeping me from moving to your area. You you challenge the people if there's no Bible believing work in your area to move. And uh, she Amen. said, There's nothing holding me back. And I wish you would pray with me that God would give me the courage because I've 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 prayed for three days now to call you and contact you. And uh I just I'm so thankful that you were available to take my call. And so that was just a shot in the arm for us that we we're very new at the podcast, uh, concept. And basically what we're trying to do is just get, uh, on a podcast and strategize about, uh, and talk about, uh, mission concepts and what, what it would mean for, uh, for people to be, uh, to submit to a Bible believing local church and the desire should be there inside of one to, to do this. Uh, Germany has almost been taken over, even with the free evangelical movements, by by conferences and what would be somewhat uh, uh, comparable to uh, the like the camp meetings in the states. Um, And so there is no real local train. uh, uh, There's no real Christian training going on at local churches. Uh, People, most of the people that attend the conferences are not even members of a local church. They simply try to get fed by. Either YouTube videos or these conferences, and it's it's becoming a very gro- uh, a great concern uh, for for us that are trying to do it the biblical model and and go through the local church. Uh, it's 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 another wrinkle that it, when you think you have something figured out, then you know technology takes over and and throws you a curveball. And so we basically started the podcast uh, with an attempt to try to pull people out of these. This mentality that they don't need a local church; they can simply feed themselves on YouTube. Uh, so that's <laughs> right. just another problem that we're facing.
0: Sure, sure. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, one, maybe maybe two more issues before we bring the conversation to a close. Um, and you already you already touched on this in a, in a way that I uh, honestly I I was familiar with the story, but I did not think about it as I was preparing for this conversation. Um, you talk about dealing with a with a devil possessed individual in mm-hmm. Germany. That's that's not something that we normally think of. I mean, when we think of, I think when when we consider spiritual warfare and cross cultural missions, we're tempted to think of facing off with a local witch doctor in ter- some tribal setting, or or dealing with the daily Islamic calls to prayer in a Muslim country. Um, the reality is that the spiritual pressure in a Westernized so-called post-Christian society like Germany is almost palpable all the time. And, and it can be really oppressive. And now it seems as you've described it, it even is manifesting itself in in some, in some ways that you would expect to, to be taking place maybe in the jungles of New Guinea. And there it is in, in Westernized Germany, um, I remember, brother, the first time I flew through Germany, I it, just a it's a it's it's a minor thing in the in the scheme of things, but I'm I'm walking through the 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 airport in Munich and there are people, the restaurants have just started uh, opening and there are people that are sitting around drinking alcohol at 10 o'clock in the morning. I just didn't have a category for that. That's a, <laughs> I, I just I don't I I I never witnessed that. And then to walk through the the a a different the the airport in Frankfurt and and there's a man that is carrying a newspaper with nudity on it yes. through a public airport. And I had a I had a minor with our with our group at the time. I was just I was mortified. This is this is the setting in which you are immersed hmm. constantly. And it's really, I think it's difficult for many of us at least in our American context, I mean, I'm in a, I'm living in the Bible Belt. You know where, you know where I'm from. You know where I'm, where I'm living now, and and uh, what we're accustomed to. And we have our own challenges, but you have virtually all of the, all of the creature comforts that anybody could want. I mean, you you, you have a nice home. You you if you have a vehicle problem, you can take it to a to a a, a very capable mechanic. Mm-hmm. You can you can get. I mean, you talked about Brother Fitzgerald one. You know. Uh, Reese's chocolates or, or looking forward to eating at a Burger King, that's not an issue for where you're at, but you've got your own difficulties in that field. I'm wondering if you would comment uh, before we wind this up on how the pressures of that field have affected you at times and how you've overcome those things to, to continue to labor in a field where in the time you've been there, you've seen a lot of other laborers come and you've mm-hmm. seen them go because mm-hmm. it's a very, very oppressive, spiritually difficult atmosphere in which to in which to thrive and minister so could you comment on that for our listeners
1: well that's one of the the greatest um temptations that i personally face here in the in this country you know i believe as isaiah said does the plowman plow all day to sow uh, fitches and in the plowing uh, all day and to see such a meager return uh it really really uh coupled with all the things we've talked about this scholastic uh oppression uh that's a that's an unclean spirit in and of itself um the lack of fruit the lack of fellowship with with other bible believers the lack of the king james bible uh i don't want to sound as though i'm whining but i have whined over the years brother it's been it's been very difficult uh when you when you have just one of those factors working against you at any given time. I told recently a young man that's just entering the ministry uh, that he was interested. He's here in Germany. He's not related to my local church, but he's starting out with a very cynical spirit. And I warned him that the first 10 years of my ministry here in Germany, I was riding the wave of, of the, the, the thought that I was going to make a lasting and deep impression on this country for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it took about 10 years uh, for, to that, to be beaten out of me to a place where, uh, I was despairing, uh, sometimes of my life. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, seem sensational when I say that, but, uh, some very, very dark days, uh, uh, have ensued from, from those multiple fronts. And it's, it's not, uh, you know, the mission field in and of itself is not for the Queemish or the weak of heart. And, and, um, but, and I, I can't even begin to know what other missionaries face in their own fields, but uh, Germany has, has has taken a lot uh, from me. You know, I read when Christ went into the temple and uh, he started throwing over the money changers tables and the disciples remembered that the zeal of the unhealth is eaten me up. And that's one of the things that I've dealt with uh, where I felt like I think I could have gotten a release if, if I would have just went to a Lutheran church and turned over their altar, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> I think it would have done me good but uh, I've restrained and uh that this constant restraining and holding back and not having an outlet for what you believe that God has prepared you and uh equipped you to do uh is very very uh uh taxing uh, on my spirit um on my physical body my um the chemical makeup I guess of my mind um, so yes, uh, it's been very taxing. I've, um, I've had to start taking supplements. I've started going to the gym now and then, you know, I'm 50. I just turned 50. And so some of the things, you know, that, uh, entropy, the body starts to wear out. And if you don't maintain it, it's going to fall apart. And, uh, but that goes not only for your physical health, it goes for your mental health and your spiritual health. And so over the years, it's been very taxing, um, to say the least. And, Although you didn't ask the question, um, that's just a, uh, such a testimony for my wife and and the the necessity for anybody desiring to go into the ministry of taking your wife into consideration because of the everything that I've been susceptible to and everything that I have fought uh, against. My wife has not per se been on that frontline battle, but it has affected her in such a way, uh, unlike any other person in my life, my wife has had of to carry course all of my burdens with me and, uh, it's, it's, and my children, by the way, uh, it's, uh, they have, uh, they have seen this over the years. And, um, you were commenting to the perversion, uh, the beer, the Germans love their beer. Uh, uh, and I thought that that was one of the places where the Germans were going to revolt against the Corona, uh, uh restrictions when it come to their beer, they were saying that some of the beer companies were running low on beer, I thought we'd have seen a revolt here in the country. Um, But yeah, workers like uh, that work heavy machinery, they, they go to their cantina, their, their lunchroom at their job and take their break and they get served beer during, during their lunch break. McDonald's serves beer here uh, at the local McDonald's perversion is, I, I would have to say that in some ways, I don't know what, perhaps it's, I could attribute it to some of my prayers, but uh, it's actually gotten better over the years with the open uh, nakedness. Uh, um, when I first came here, there were billboards, uh, literal billboards for a butter commercial, uh, uh, advertising of butter uh, of a naked woman coming out of a lake um, for to sell butter. I, I just never could get the two put together. People look at Germany, and it it's like... You started the podcast off with the apostasy, and the um, Revelation chapter 3 says that uh, the Laodicean church said that they're rich and have need of nothing, and they don't know that they're poor, blind, and naked was one of them. They don't know that they're naked. You know, Adam, uh, when he sinned, he had the the decency and the fear of God to hide himself, and that fear is here thrown off. Uh, It's completely... Uh, it's completely out in the open. It has gotten somewhat better uh, over the over the past uh, few years, so I'm very thankful for that. But the demon possession, the devil possession is, um, we had a, a lady here that came to our church that, according to her, her grandmother made a blood pact with Satan uh, to give her grandchild to Satan, and uh, that was common knowledge in their family. Wow. Um and I'm told the farther south you go into the mountainous regions, that is very, very prominent. Um, and But it comes from this uh, this wild, heathen nation that has never had a Bible-believing movement go through it that to affect it, to affect change. Um, one of the most prominent stories I have of our street ministry, I was dealing with a young man uh, on the street. He was Polish and it was springtime here in germany and uh he was a young man probably about 20 and i was dealing with him with an open bible just the standard verses to strike up a conversation and he was distracted um the the girls uh the young girls were it was just getting warm enough for them to put on short skirts and they were walking on the streets here in germany and if if no one's ever been here before germany has a market square where we go and preach and hand out tracts thousands of people or congregated one area. And, and so he was distracted this day. And and so I decided to change the subject. Uh, and I told him, I said, do you know that Jesus Christ said, if a man look upon a woman and desire to be with him, that he had already committed adultery in his heart. And I got that young man's attention. He started immediately. Uh, he turned to me and, and you saw his demeanor change. He was, he was put into submission to the word of God. And I was, I was witnessing to him and I spoke to him in a voice, uh, not unlike what we're speaking right now, real quiet. It was a private conversation. And I told him in Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter three, uh, in verse 13, that Christ has re- redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for his written "Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. And when I said that, a woman, an elderly woman in her 80s, that was literally uh, no less than 200 yards away from me come walking through the crowd a uh, 200 is an exaggeration 150 yards away from me, come walking toward us and she started screaming through the crowd of people, what is this I hear about Christ becoming a curse? And my initial reaction was is uh, you know some Bible believer heard me talking about the Bible and they were going to come give a testimony to to attest to the truth of the Word of God. And when she approached us, she said, oh, again, "What is what are you talking about? Christ became a curse. And I said, here it is right here in the Bible. And she said, oh, many people have changed that Bible. And then she turned <laughs> to the young man, and she started speaking to him in the Polish language. And I thought to myself, I've got a devil here. I mean, how could she have known that this young man was Polish? And she started speaking to him in the Polish language, and she completely re- uh, ruined the witness that I was giving to this young man. And I turned to her, and I said, you know— I said, the Bible says that um, that when a sowment, uh, uh, the sower goeth out and soweth his seeds, that the fowl of the air come down and devour the seed.
0: So yeah. I was test- testing yeah. the
1: spirit. And the this 85, I would guess, year old woman, her eyes were glazed over. She looked at me and she said, and I said, You know who that is in the context? That's Satan. She said, He's used me a time or two, too, also. An eighty-five-year-old woman, as I accused her of being the foul of the air, she said that Satan has used me a time or two, and so uh, it was very, very dramatic how that that this foul of the air came down and snatched the seed. That young man, I never got his attention back to the Word of God, and that's just an underlying spirit here. And you know, the overt cursings uh, and the father coming by as I was preaching, saying that. Uh, his son is, uh, his son turning, his son looked to be 10 to 12 years old, holding his father's hand, turned to me and said, my daddy's going to hell and I'm going to hell with my daddy and I'm proud of it. And it, it's oh, just my. things like that, that you, you just cannot get out of your mind and and the open mocking of the word of God. So again, if there was just one on one front of these battles, of uh, whether it was uh, uh, higher learning scholarship or whether it was the the... There is no King James Bible in German, uh, perversion, um, agnosticism, uh, atheism, socialism, Marxism. If you could just reduce it down to one of these, a man could uh, you know keep his head above water. But uh, <laughs> all of these things come together and culminate together to make for a very, very hard field.
0: Well, I think that all of those just uh, it, it also serve to just further illustrate the need for the preaching of the gospel, for biblical Christianity, for true Bible-believing churches in that field. And uh, for, all of the, for all of the difficulties, for, for the spiritual oppressive, the spiritual oppression in the, that's just uh, palpable in the country— you've you've survived some of those darker seasons and you've <laughs> you've pressed on. And, uh, it seems to me, um, that, that you're really encouraged with the, with, with, uh, what the future holds and, and that, uh, the Lord's given you some vision and, and you've got, uh, you've got some, some good things on the horizon in terms of ministry. So mm-hmm. how would you sum up your, your vision for the future moving forward? What's mm-hmm. your vision for mm-hmm. the field of Germany?
1: Well, the Bible says, and, in- matthew uh it just uh is a quote from isaiah that the, the people that sat in darkness saw saw great light, and the thing that sums up my ministry here and that's kept me that you said survived um that that you know it it seems like that that is a desperation that uh I've survived plenty of times that I have prayed that God would release me if it wasn't his will uh to leave this uh field and uh, survived uh, yes, in some areas I've thrived, brother and uh, it, those areas where uh, God has made a difference uh, through me. Uh, it has encouraged me over the years to see the lives that have been changed and those fire brands that have been plucked out of the fire, uh, the the ear lobes uh, you know that I've rescued out of the bear's mouth and and, and taken these people back from certain destruction. Those things have uh, caused me to thrive in certain areas. I, I, I absolutely love to preach. I've preached, of course, now many more, uh, hundreds of times more in German than in, in English. Um, and uh, so, a lot of these areas, uh, I actually consider myself very proficient uh, uh, because of the Holy Spirit of God and because of not given up on uh, the call that God has given me. Uh, that I do count myself as. Uh, serving the Lord Jesus Christ here and also uh, being a open witness uh, here where uh, in many cases there's just simply none. So uh, we, I mentioned the two young men that are uh, going out to start their own respective works. Um, I mentioned Brother Fabian that's in our church, uh, uh, which is a, a great anomaly, I should say. Um, he has a an earned master's degree. Uh, he's a uh, military strategist. Uh, that's what he went to school. He was planning on going into politics when I met him. Uh, when he came to our church uh, he came two or three times and trusted Christ as his savior and I remember as he was grad, as he graduated from his bachelor's degree to go on to his master's. I remember challenging him that uh, he was planning to go into politics and to uh, uh, foreign relations. And I challenged him and said, all of these plans you've made since the age of uh, 14. He was actually involved in politics at the age of 14. And I said, all these plans you made as a lost man. And I said, "Uh, now you're a new creature in Christ. What are you going to do with your life? I said, I'm in foreign relations. That's what God's called (laughs) me to do. I'm in foreign relations. Why don't you take that education and take that zeal and instead of trying to be a nation builder, be a, a kingdom builder for the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, this was a, a a young man who had his hopes set on his scholastic achievements, and I really didn't think that he would um, give that much consideration. And now he's in our church, and now all of the military strategy that he has put to use in his education, he has now uh, become or becoming my right hand uh, in the church to strategize for the Lord Jesus Christ to reach his own people. And, um, that's a great blessing to me. Um, as I said, a great anomaly because of the educational level he has, uh, literally one of the smartest people outside of my pastor that I've ever had the uh, privilege of knowing. And, um, so I'm not saying that education uh, has to be, uh, implemented in order to reach educated minds. But it certainly can't help if I can put into him and instill in him a Bible-believing concept. So that, coupled with the uh, the idea of a, a circuit ministry, is something that I hope the Lord opens the door. As you were here uh, just in passing uh, recently before the coronavirus, uh, I had expressed to you the interest of uh, implementing some of the helps uh, that Brother Ron Ralph has been to local churches that was my desire is to get uh, local churches interested in mit- missions here. Right. And, uh, although it was a pure motive, I believe brother Fry came in the exact right moment as we were coming in off shortly before we come out of lockdown from the virus and, uh, expressed his interest of trying to reach Christians and local churches that, uh, wanted Bible believing, uh, preaching and teaching. And, uh, it, it seemed very, very logical that in order to reach the goal that I had, that I had mentioned to you, that we first need to start a movement in order to um, to implement some of these, some of these desires that I, that I have here uh, for German Christianity. So, this is what we're hard at doing. Um, the podcast that we have in English is simply uh, for no other reason just to uh, to give something back. Uh, to the uh, American speaking or the English speaking, there are some people in Germany listening to it in English. Uh, the concepts that we're uh, doing here in Germany, and to our hope is is that with time that we can attract other missionaries to come to Germany. Um, to, they would see the need that we are facing here. And I would like to add also that um, it's it's a great great need that if anyone ever were to be interested uh, of serving on a foreign field and they were to consider Europe, that they would come and spend some considerable time with either myself or brother Fry and learn about the culture here before they go out. I've seen missionaries, as you said, come and go. And brother, this, this place chews missionaries up and it spits them out and they need to come and be established. First of all, with a local church that has been reaching Germans and has been confronted with the spiritual warfare and the, the uh, scholastic spirit of this land. And once they get their footing here, that would be, for example, uh, a, a scenario where I could foresee me turning the local church over to someone that was already a Bible believer, but then got the language and got the culture here, was able to uh, then feel the role of that. I would much rather see German uh, 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 take over the local church, But uh, those are some of the concepts that we have implemented, and it's the vision for the future here. And, brother, where there's no vision, the people perish. And so we have constantly had to be on our face here seeking God's uh, direction uh, of how to reach these people. Uh, These are not novel problems, I think, to any missionary, but uh, they are. Uh, things that have been entrenched in this society here for for millennia, and that's a that's a strange concept coming from a land such as America that is as young as it is, to see the spiritual wickedness and darkness that this country's been in. So uh, we're we're doing the best we can to plow the ground, and the 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 few sheep, as David was so sarcastically mocked by his brothers, the few sheep that God has entrusted our care. We're doing our best, brother, to uh, to feed the flock of God and and to equip them uh, to be Bible believing Christians in their uh, mission fields, their Jerusalem's, their Judeas, and their Samarias. And hope uh, it, it would be a great blessing if we could see that spread out from our area to go into Germany and into the world. Um, this is, of course, our long term goals, and um, we just pray that all your listeners and the churches that receive our prayer letters can this is just another way that you can get to know our mission field better and we'd invite uh, pastors as you said uh, we have a nice home uh, we can um, not much on sightseeing uh, but there are plenty of things concerning the Reformation if anyone had a desire to come and get uh, a taste of Germany to go back and tell their church of we would love uh, for the for the mission field of Germany to be more closely considered by churches in America
0: Amen Brother Kenny, I sure appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me about these things, uh, brother. I can't uh, very well uh, communicate to you the the help you've been to me over the years, and certainly done much to provoke me unto love and good works. And uh, I appreciate your faithfulness. You have you have stayed true to your calling through uh, some difficult times over the years, and 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 in a difficult field. And I'm thankful uh, for how the Lord is using you there. And uh, how the Lord used you in my life. So appreciate appreciate your time and uh, and what you're doing there. And um, I hope that the that the conversation will be profitable to those that listen in and and have a much better understanding and appreciation of the field of Germany. So mm-hmm. thank you for thank you for the conversation today,
1: brother. Uh, all praise be to God. Uh, he's the Holy Spirit of God is the only reason that. There's any light here in, in Germany and Europe as far as that goes, and uh, I can only say the same. You have been a great inspiration to me over the years. I appreciate the friendship, and uh, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to in heaven is be reunited um, with a with a brethren. We we certainly miss all the encouragement in the states of the meetings, and the pastors' conferences, and all of these conferences and stuff like that. Um, it's it's it can be lonely without uh, a lot of that fellowship. So I know that uh, a lot of people love and pray for me, and uh, it's uh, just praise be to God for it. I thank you, uh, brother, for your friendship over the years.
0: I hope that you found this interview with Brother Kenneth Murphy to be informative. So much of what he described about the field of Germany could likely be said of the rest of Western Europe. Brother Murphy and his Yoke Fellow in German Missions, Brother Philip Fry, are interacting with some of the topics that were discussed in the course of this interview and many more subjects related to mission strategy and practice. They flesh these out on a weekly basis in their podcast, Two and Two Missionaries. You can find a link to Two and Two Missionaries in the program description of today's broadcast, along with Brother Kenny's contact information. Thanks again for tuning in for this Great Commission conversation. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts. And if it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to invite others to tune in. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at Conversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.